Welcome to The Table, a place where stories are told, life is shared, and our hope is that you will leave full. We encourage you to sit back, pull up a chair, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome to The Table. This is your host, Drew Phillips, and I'll be leading our discussion today. Today, joining us around the table, we have Adam Bargato. How are you doing this morning, Adam? I am excellent. Thank you, Drew. How are you on this fine morning? Oh, I'm doing very well, doing very well. I uh, got my coffee here and I'm excited about this conversation. Um, as we get going, tell us just a little bit um, about who you are, your family, what you do, um, some of those details. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, obviously, my name is Adam, and uh, I'm married to you. The greatest woman in the world, uh, and uh, when I first met her, she was so amazing that my mom said to me, you know, um, you can't afford a ring, but you probably need to get one because she's not going to stick around forever, <laughs> just to give us some insight into my wife. So I was able to fool her for that first year of courtship. and then That's what it all is. Married, it's all fooling them, you know? <laughs> it's all fooling them, exactly. Uh, six years later, we've got two kids, a one-year-old, a three-year-old. And actually, we just moved here from Michigan about 15 months ago. Okay. And that was actually a big, uh, big move. And it was actually all God because um, I was working as an instructor at Central Michigan University. And I got passed up for a big promotion. And I was really frustrated about it. So I spent about a year kind of sulking and kind of mm. walking in the desert. And my wife said, OK, that's enough. You need to find a new job. And I was like, mm. crazy. No one's going to hire me. I got passed up for promotion here at CMU. I've been here, you know, since 2002. I was like, no one's going to hire me. And sure enough, Purdue called and uh, I fooled them as well. <laughs> they, uh, they brought me in as an educational uh, technology consultant, which is the big word for I fix stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and a year later, I moved up to what I wanted to do, which is an instructional designer, which was another big move for God. Uh, and um, my wife has been faithfully staying home with the kids. Mm -hmm. And somehow she's found a way to stay sane because uh, both kids have the personalities of their father, <laughs> which can be very problematic uh, for Nicole, um, but uh, very grateful uh, that we're here in Indiana. And uh, I like to say we're transplant boilermakers. There you go. We have no ties to Purdue, but we feel like we uh, we are a part of the community. So oh, it's really exciting. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I want our listeners to hear one of my favorite stories <laughs> about Adam Barragato is uh, your first Sunday here. So go ahead and for a second, just kind of tell us... Um, your first experience here at Calvary and, and what that first Sunday was like. Well, actually, it was probably the best Sunday because Drew Phillips was teaching, and he only gets to do that three times a year. <laughs> so you've got to take advantage of that. So that was just divine intervention right there. Uh, but sure enough, Calvary was our uh, was our third stop on our church tour in Indiana, <laughs> and we were really desperate to find a place uh, where we could just kind of get roots into. And it's funny because that sermon was all about taking a moment out of your busy schedule and having community with someone. So I took that opportunity to walk across the, uh, the aisle way to a complete stranger, hand him my business card with my cell phone on my cell phone number on it and I basically said hey let's get dinner this week and to my surprise he said that's a great idea to which my wife had no idea what had happened she <laughs> like kind of looked at me like what just happened I was like oh I don't know what you're talking about she goes Do you know him I'm like yeah yeah of course I had no idea who that person was <laughs> it just happened to be Bob Sellers he plays the bass he's also a, a new deacon and uh you know as a result of that exchange uh, we've been friends ever since and our our two kids, my oldest and his child, are, are like best friends. They're thick as thieves. So. It's awesome. That's one of my favorite stories because just a little bit more background on Adam. So he is probably one of the most extroverted people I've ever met in my life. And Raging as a, extrovert is the yeah. term. And, and as an extrovert, sometimes it's intimidating <laughs> because uh, I, th I thought I kind of had the corner on that market. And I met Adam and I realized now I got, I got some work to do. Um, but as a part of that sermon, I, I just talked about how we need to share meals together and how sharing meals with people is really important. And one of the reasons why we call 
call this the table podcast is because there's just something that happens around the table um, when you slow down and are able to engage with others. So my encouragement to everyone that week, we do a thing here called a Monday morning application. And my Monday morning application was pick one meal this week out of the 21 or so meals you're going to eat, pick one and eat it with somebody else. And that's when Adam got up across and went and said, hey, let's have dinner this week. So one of, one of my favorite stories, <laughs> I think it, it encapsulates Adam um, very well. And uh, anyways, it's a, it was a, just a great story. So thanks for, for sharing that. Um, tell us a little bit about your faith background. Well, I actually uh, grew up as Catholic. I was an altar boy. I got confirmed in eighth grade. And, uh, you know, I had no idea who Jesus was. I didn't really understand religion. I didn't understand faith. It was just kind of this thing that we did on Saturday nights, and we didn't ask questions about it. Uh, then I went to college uh, in 2002, and I was just destined to live the college dream that we all, you know, we all subscribe to possibly at one point in our life, or maybe our kids are subscribing to at this point. And, uh, you know, it was the weirdest thing. My, my dorm neighbors uh, were a bunch of crazy Christians, mm. and they said to me, Adam, they're like, you know, you could be an awesome asset to the kingdom of God. And I was like, that's great. That sounds fantastic. But, um, you know, I'm Catholic, so I can't be a Christian. <laughs> and they were, I mean, it took them a whole semester, Drew. Mm. And maybe that's why I got such bad grades that semester, because I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out how to learn, you know, like to listen to people. They're like, yeah. no, no, Adam, you got to understand, like, you are a Christian. You know, that's just a different sect. And it just took me forever. Mm. But you know what the most amazing things thing about these guys were? I mean, they loved Christ so much. Mm. And it showcased in everything that they did, that they were not evangelizing to me out of, like, you know, uh, saying you're gonna you're gonna go to hell or you're a terrible human being, and this is the only way that your life is gonna have meaning. They're just they were just so full of joy, hmm. and it took about four years, and then finally um, on the night uh, before I walked across the the podium and got my diploma, I dedicated my life to the Lord in my hmm. apartment, and I said, you know, everyone's out drinking, having a blast right now, and I said, uh, I don't want that life anymore. I want to be renewed, and that's when uh, the journey began. And actually, it was really interesting because. Uh, that was in 2006, and I met my wife uh, seven years later. So it took God about <laughs> seven years to really kind of work in me to prepare me for, uh, you know, that uh, what I like to say as, uh, you know, life after Christianity, you know, <laughs> like really just being an adult and being a, a human being, you know, in a secular world, just trying to let Christ shine through you. And it's, yeah. uh, and I still haven't learned how to do that for the record. But well, the good thing is, you know, it's, it's a journey and it's a process. And I think that's something that, um, as, as we talk with people, as you get to know people, you realize that it's not a, um, a decision that you make and automatically your life takes this drastic change, that it's a process. It's something that we're growing into. Um, and for some of us, it takes six or seven years. To um, get started. To get started. That was just <laughs> to get on the track, right? And then, you know, from there, it's just, it's a continued uh, continued walk. But, uh, you know, it's interesting you say that because I, I was... You know, I loved jogging at the time. It was before kids, before a wife. Although some people, the person you know, sitting across from me, uh, can do that still with a wife and three kids. So kudos to you. Uh, but no, I always thought it was a it was a sprint. So I thought I had to do everything to be perfect for Jesus. And I thought, okay, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I became so legalistic. Mm. And it just got to a point where I just had no joy, you know, and I wasn't really able to effectively, you know, evangelize. And that's actually something that my wife taught me when we first mm. started. When we first met, she's just so full of joy. And I was like, what's your secret? You know, how do you do this? Yeah. You know, and uh, it's just been a really interesting story. Huh. Wow. So we're here now, 2018. Um, you're at Calvary, um, working at Purdue. Um, 
And one of the things that you were very adamant about when you first got here was getting involved in our, one of our small groups. And um, so tell us a little bit about how that happened and some of the um, effects or the ways that impacted your life. Um, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me just give you some background information about my wife and I. So before we moved to Purdue, it was me, my wife, and our, our oldest, our, at that time it was our only child, Emmy. And we were going to a church just like Calvary, right? I mean, big church, you know, super involved in the community, you know, just super amazing, right? Although the pastor was funnier. Oh, wow. uh, so, and that, but that's probably common for most churches. <laughs> and we, um, we went faithfully once a month, you know, and I say that faithfully because that's what it was. And when we didn't go for three weeks, no one called us and no one, mm. there was no one there. We didn't have connections with people. We just went out of kind of like, we call ourselves Christians, we should probably go to church. And I just remember thinking, you know, just uh, a week or two ago, and uh, Daniel Barry, lead pastor, was talking about this idea that, you know, people come to church once a week, and they're like, what the heck, I'm still hungry, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and it's because if that's all you're doing, that's not enough, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, that's one piece of a much, you know, bigger puzzle, and that's what my wife and I were doing, right? Mm-hmm. We were those people yeah. who were complaining, we're like, oh, the pastor just, you know, didn't speak to me today, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you know, and of course, my heart was in a terrible spot, you know, and I, you know, my wife and I were just barely managing, we're barely getting by, we're both working, we were both unhappy with our jobs, you know, our, our only child wasn't sleeping. You, you know, that story. And so, uh, when we came here, I realized something very important and this is, I don't want to do a spoiler alert, but this is going to be one of my big takeaways. You can't have faith in isolation. Hmm. And, uh, you know, you think back to my story, I was in my apartment alone by myself when I accepted Christ. And I think that kind of stuck in my head for too long that Mm. it's this, it's you and Jesus and it's just the two of you and you got to figure this out, but that's not what the journey is about. And that's why I was so adamant about getting into a small Mm. group. And I should say my wife and I were adamant about it. And, you know, our whole lives were, were, sorry, the time that we've been together, we've always been so busy, just constantly racing, sprinting Mm -hmm. and always out of breath, always just trying to catch up. And when we moved to Indiana, we promised ourselves we weren't going to let ourselves do that. So mm-hmm. my wife faithfully decided to stay home with the kids, as I said already. And uh, as a result, we actually had the energy to join a small mm-hmm. group. So we said, okay, we got to join a small group. So it just so happened that I was working, I, I worked down the hall from someone who goes to this church. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to see him at the party in the park. That's right when we started coming uh, last summer. And, uh, you know, I said, Dave, I said, uh, what does the guy got to do to get in a small group around here? You know, and he goes, oh, I'm part of a small group. Why don't you join? So he had told uh, he had told one of the leaders that we were coming, and so that next Sunday, uh, Katrina fights uh, just ran up to me. I had no idea who she was. She goes, "Hey, I heard you coming to our small group." <laughs> that's when I was like, "Okay, this is fabulous." All I had to do was ask somebody, and now I'm getting invited. I mean, it just made it so easy, and I, and I think that's kind of uh, that might be an anomaly. You know, there might be a couple more steps uh, to get involved, but we were just really fortunate in that they just totally welcomed us. Yeah. But I got to tell you, Drew, that that's actually where the story probably would have ended. Mm. if it wasn't for the people in the small group. Mm. So we went that first time, and I kid you not, um, we had to leave early because Emmy threw up on the babysitter. <laughs> so think about that for Welcome a second, right? Group. Welcome to small group. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, if you're, uh, yes, uh, exactly. So I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is terrible. We can never come back. This was so embarrassing. So my wife and I, that night, it was a Monday night, we said, we're never going to small group again. This was a disaster. We are terrible human beings. We don't deserve to be here. And, uh, you know, we should really, you know, rethink our lives. I mean, that was almost verbatim what I said. Hmm. And uh, my wife went to, uh, I think it was uh, Mops, Mothers of Preschoolers. And guess what? The the moms who were part of that life group just happened to be there. And they said, hey, you coming back next week? And Nicole goes, no, no <laughs> offense to you. We're not worthy. Our kid threw up. And they said, wait a minute. 
They said, are you crazy? They're like, our kids always act out, of, act out of craziness, and they're just always a mess, and it's a, it's a nightmare, but we go faithfully because mm. it, it, that doesn't matter. And that's the easiest way that Satan can stop us from, mm. from practicing faith is to just absolutely make us think that, you know, we can't come to small group. So my wife, when I came home from work, she said, Adam, we're going to small group next week. I said, no, are you crazy? It was a disaster. She goes, yeah, but the wives, they, you know, they told me this is normal. And I said, oh. Well, if it's normal, then okay, cool, that's fine, you know? <laughs> Again, expectations, right? And I will tell you that uh, the effect of small group, Drew, oh my gosh, it's been monumental. Mm. Like I said, we can't practice faith in isolation. I'm probably going to say that a lot. And I practice saying that as much as possible because I really want to make sure it was clear. I really thought that's how it worked. Mm. But I will tell you, after being in a small group for a year, not just my life has changed, but the lives of those around me have changed. Mm. I mean, my wife is reading books now. I mean, she used to hate reading books. Uh, she has this Facebook group with all the other wives, and they talk like crazy. I mm. mean, it's hilarious the things they talk about. And, and it's so funny how, uh, you know, I'll talk to her about stuff, and I'll be like, well, I talked to one of the husbands about that. They had no idea what you're talking about. She goes, oh, it's normal. It's okay. You guys, we don't, we don't talk to you guys. We, we talk to each other. It's, but, but, I mean, her community is so strong that when uh, the girls got sick over the winter. Every night, mm. someone from our life group was bringing something by, checking on us, making sure mm. we're okay. And I don't want to, I don't want to, like, you know, make it sound like, oh, you joined this life group and everything's gonna be great, and people are gonna bring you meals. And it, it, that's not what it's about. That's that's kind of like a, it's like an added bonus. But the real bonus mm-hmm. is the community. I finally have people who I actually you know, really want to spend time with and who are actually sharpening me as a Christian. Yeah. You know, they're not just my my friends that I hang out with to like have fun with. They're people that are in my lives. In fact, you know, my friend said it best, you know, when I said, hey, thanks for being a part of my life. He goes, dude, we're just living life together. Hmm. And I just thought, man, that's so powerful. And that's what we do in small group is we live life together. I mean, we've had countless moves. Um, there's been a family uh, that had a miscarriage. There's been, you know, our small group leaders, both their parents got cancer, like within weeks of each other. Mm. I mean, these, these were like huge life-changing events and we were all there for each other. Yeah. And it was like, again, it's that whole, you know, faith in isolation. You yeah. can't have faith because when the world, uh, you know, when, when Satan just tries to take you down and he tries to throw all these arrows at you, you've got people who are there mm. to help you through it. Yeah. And, and I think that um, that is such an amazing thing that we've never had before. Yeah. We had friends, but not a community. Yeah. Not people that will rally around you and be there for you and love you and pray for you. I mean, I, the, one of the greatest things that happened in our small group, believe it or not, was when six people in our group got baptized. Yeah. You were there. You were baptizing everyone. Yeah. I, wish, I, I wish I could show pictures of it. Something in me happened, or some, I felt something in me that was so powerful. I'm like, this is what baptism is supposed to be mm-hmm. about. And it was amazing. We went to this this uh, this creek or uh, this creek, whatever you want to call it, with, <laughs> with ticks. Uh, Daniel Barry, if you're listening, there were a lot of ticks, but we made it through. And oh my goodness, I mean, it was like it was amazing. And you know, that all started because someone didn't believe in baptism in our group, yeah. and that sparked everyone to question what baptism was. I mean, here, you know, Satan was in our group and he was trying to stop us from being faithful, and he actually made us realize, yeah. oh my gosh, we need to get baptized. And these are just some of the stories. Yeah. And Drew, I'm not saying that every small group you're going to have these. You know, amazing experiences, these life-changing experiences. What I'm saying is the only way to truly have community, to grow in your faith, is to find people who are believers and live life with them. And that's what small group is all about. Amen. Amen. Um, it's one of those things. And that, that day at the um, at the creek was just such an awesome day. Is it pronounced day. creek? It's not creek? It's not creek. You okay, know, sometimes you. depending on on where you're from, if uh, Daniel liked to say, you know, he, he likes to say, if you got baptized, then it's a creek. Um <laughs> But it was such a beautiful day out there. Uh, family, friends out there. There was probably, what, 30, 40 people out yeah, there. Yeah, family, friends, um, absolutely. And, and we took this big tractor ride down uh, to this little spot. And um, the one of my favorite parts of the day was we um, 
as we were getting in, we noticed that there was the snake that was caught up in some barbed wire that was kind of separating from the ledge down to where the, the creek was at. And one of the guys who was getting baptized too, he owns his own business. I kind of view him as this kind of big, kind of manly man, terrified of snakes, <laughs> terrified of snakes. And uh, actually your coworker who invited you to small group in the first place uh, decided to get the snake out of the barbed wire and it slipped right down into where we were all at, where we were going to be standing. And that guy looked at me and said, I'm not getting in there. <laughs> I said, it'll be fine. And, and of course, he's also, he was the tallest of all of them. And, and I'm a ra- rather short guy. And so when it came to baptizing everyone, I had them get down on their knees because the, the water was so shallow that that way I could get them down and back up again. And so here he's standing, you know, chest deep in water that a snake had just uh, went in. And uh, so I, the next day we actually had some baptisms here at church. And I was back in the green room with, with them trying to help them feel comfortable, talk out some nerves. And one of the things I think I said that day um, quite often was, I know you might be a little bit nervous, but we had have some baptisms baptism yesterday and there were snakes involved um (laughs) (laughs) so this is nothing this is a heated heated pool with no snakes so we should be we should be okay but that day in itself was just such a perfect day of what um community looks like and like you said it was um amazing to hear that one person's questions about baptism and the importance of what that could unearth for um for three men to get baptized uh, and then a, a a mom, a female to get baptized, and then um, two little girls. Um, and there was a, a father and, and, and two daughters that got baptized. And it was just such a perfect um, expression of what life and community uh, can be like. And like you said, you don't get that in every small group, but it's when you're intentional and when you press in with that. A question that I had for you is this, just reflecting back on what you've said. So you said before you came here that year, um, you were walking in the desert. Um, and, and, and you were really upset because you'd got passed over for this promotion. How do you feel like that would have looked different? Would you have described it that same way if you had been in community during that time? Or what? <laughs> or, or, or was your isolation part of the desert experience? Yeah, it was kind of like it was like I was punishing myself. You know, like I felt like I had done something wrong and I didn't have anyone I could talk to about it, you know? And so it was just kind of a very secular way of dealing with it. You know, you just kind of tuck it down inside. You just, you know, it's like when Jesus talks about this idea of you're just whitewashed tombs is all you mm-hmm. are. You just put on this face like everything's fine, but inside just a mess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think the joy of community is just being able to take off that cloak or whatever that is, whatever metaphor you want to use, and say this is who I am and raw and just, you know, uh, unfiltered and take me as I am and let's just talk about this. And that's the thing about community is that stuff comes up Mm -hmm. you know people are like hey we're going to marriage counseling we're like awesome that's fantastic that's not something you say to a group of people that you know and love you you act like oh my marriage is fantastic Mm -hmm. and everything's great and then inside you're thinking oh my gosh you know what was i thinking you know but you don't get to have those conversations with secular people Mm -hmm. right it's it's a real community that's when it comes out when Mm -hmm. you trust and love and you all know you have the same intention so no absolutely if i had a community it would have been a completely different story yeah and I think it's funny how you know God still used that desert to help me really see the value in having mm-hmm. a community yep. and also be motivated to say, I, I don't want to be in this desert alone because I don't have to be, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we can be in the desert in our faith, and that's fine. That's a part of what God has for us at some at certain times in our life, right? Uh, you know, and uh, I think that the community is what makes it, what, what makes it a little bit more manageable. <laughs> for sure. Because, like I said, you can't just tell your, your friends, oh, man, I'm in the desert. You know, they don't understand what that means. Yeah, yeah, no, that's... 
That's well said. One thing that I love that, that the small group that you're a part of does, which again kind of goes to our, our table um, idea here, is, is one thing that you guys did every week together uh, was you shared a meal. That was part of your small group every week is that you ate together. So so tell our listeners a little bit about about that experience because that's one in wow. its own. Yeah, no, the, oh my gosh, you know, we used to joke around because one of the guys that was in our Bible study, every Monday people would be like, wow, man, you just look so happy. What's going on? He's like, oh, I just came. He's like, I just came from small group because he worked the midnight shift, you know? And he's, they're like, well, tell me about it. He's like, oh, we had the smorgasbord. It was taco night. And we had all these, I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, it looks like a buffet. I mean, there's so much food. And even though there's kids running around everywhere, I mean, there's every week is a new theme. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's Mexican, sometimes it's Brinner, breakfast for dinner. You know, sometimes it's just a hodgepodge of nonsense where people bring what they killed or people, <laughs> you know, bring what's been in their freezer and they just dress it up. But I'm telling you, the, the meal is what makes it work hmm. because we're all busy, we're all tired. But the fact that we all know there's going to be a wonderful meal, that's what gets us in the door, right? Yeah. And we stay for the community. And so hmm. I think that if you're if you're in a small group, if you're hosting a small group, I can't encourage you enough to have a meal. It is a ton of work, mm-hmm. and especially for the person who hosts it. But man, the the dividends it pays is insane. I mean, yeah. think about it. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, communion. It, it's community. It's 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 breaking that bread. There's a reason why <laughs> you know Jesus and the disciples were meeting over a table eating food. Right. There's something about that community that you just it it almost uh, just it's almost like peanut butter and jelly Mm. community and food. They just come together. Yeah. Yeah. And and just give our listeners a little bit of an idea. Um, So how many adults are in that small group? Uh, That's a great question. I want to say there's probably 14, maybe. And how many kids? Oh, my gosh. Probably double that. It seems (laughs) like sometimes every family has at least, you know, at least one child. So there's at least, you know, it's at least a one to one ratio, although I think it's a little bit more. I said double at first. I'm thinking if there's 14 adults, there's probably at least 20 kids. And it's an absolute nightmare just seeing the kids run around and it, you know what it, it's okay it's just for an hour it's, it's <laughs> and great we make it work I've, I've went and i visited and had dinner a couple times <laughs> yes. and it's one of those things I, I first time i went just myself um and they were like no bring your family next time bring your family so i brought me and my three kids the next time and my wife was there she's like they do this every week i said yeah they do it every week but again it's messy but you saw um some parents getting other kids food, other parents cleaning up other kids messes. And it, again, just this big family feel. Yeah, it is um, a family. And that's Absolutely. not something that just happens overnight. Mm-hmm. It happens with, with intentionality and, and over time. And it's very evident um, in that. Well, and too, I just want to add something too, before I forget, you know, I think the, the biggest thing is too, is that you know, I didn't connect with my small group at first. You know, these are manly men, right? I mean, they hunt, you know, they fish, they grow food, and I, I don't have hobbies. I, you know, I can barely, you know, make it to and from work every day and have the energy to come home and, and even eat dinner, you know, and I had nothing in common with these folks. And I just want to be clear that, you know, I think the, the, the big lesson for me through this was, and this was probably through the meal is just getting a chance to have conversations with folks. When you, when you try to find, you know, when you, when you, sorry, when you spend too much time trying to think about how you're different, like, Oh, I'm not a manly man. I, don't, mm-hmm. I couldn't kill something. You know, I, you kind of miss about what you do have in common. Hmm. And I think the meal is, is what made us realize we're all Christians. Hmm. You know, we're all praying together before the meal. And so regardless of what their hobbies were, regardless of what their interests were, we still have a common bond in Christ. Hmm. And I think that someone told me this the other day, sometimes we focus so much on how we're different, we forget about our commonality. Yeah. So I can't take credit for that. I didn't hmm. say that, but I wanted to share that with you hmm. all because that was a big hurdle for me. And I know I'm acting like this is rosy, 
you know, sunshine, lollipops and rainbows, but you know, it, it, it has been effort, you know, mm. and I've had to really work hard to, yeah. to get to know the men. Cause you know, men don't share their Mm-mm. deep, most inner you know, <laughs> dreams and thoughts and challenges with each other. Like that yeah. takes some effort. Yeah. It takes some time, you know, Oh my gosh. I mean, the wives, I mean, I love the community they have. It's so much different than what the guys have. Mm-hmm. It works for both of us, but I want to be clear that, you know, it's so easy for, for man or woman to just say, I don't have anything in common with them. You do. It's called Christ and mm. start with that. Yeah. And everything else comes. And I, I want to make sure I mention that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's a good point because I think that's one of the things, especially is, um, you know, my role here at the church is one to get people plugged into small groups and to help them find that community. And, um, you know, I always tell everyone, they come, make sure it's a good fit. Make sure it's a good fit and works out. Because if it's not a good fit, um, that's okay. Um, we want you to be excited about going to group. And, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so we want to make sure that's there. But there's also this reality that you got to fight for it. you got to put some skin in the game a little bit. And if, if all we're looking to do is be around people that are just like us, that have all the same common interests, um, that you're always going to leave disappointed. And you're always going to maybe not find that perfect fit. Um, but there is something to having community and not living in isolation um, that takes time. And, and so I, I'm thankful that you were able to um, stick it out. And now you're coming to a point now where this group is, is going gonna, is gonna, to uh, split or multiply to put a little more of a positive spin yes, on it. Yes, because multiply. there were 14 adults and 20 kids. Um, and so then uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked to you about leading a small group and, um, and what that would look like. And so now you and your wife um, are going to lead that together um, and meet in your home. And so t- tell the listeners a little bit of what are your, what are your hopes for this group? Why are you excited about leading uh, small group? Well, I think the, the first reason why I'm excited is because I think the best, the best place to give in a church is where there's a need. And uh, you, know, you had come to me a while ago and you said, look, I don't ever want to turn anyone away. And, uh, and immediately I thought to myself, yes. And so, you know, I want to lead a group if, if you feel like, you know, that's something that's going to serve the church. And I told my wife multiple times, she was really uneasy about it. I said, honey, I said, we can give money, we can give time, but what's the greatest sacrifice for us to give? It's, it's to, it's to give our home away Mm. to, to know that it's going to get trashed and kids (laughs) are going to run around and put holes in the wall and break toys. And, and I said, that's the ultimate sacrifice Mm. is to give what you just know is so sacred and special to you. And that's, you know, the brand new house that we just moved into three <laughs> months ago, you know. Uh, and so I'm just so excited in that regard. Yeah. But I think the reason why um, I pushed so hard and and really told my wife, I was like, look, we're never going to be ready to do this. We just need to move forward and do this is because mm-hmm. I saw what the community the community did for us. You know, yeah. we came to Indiana. We didn't know anybody. And it was, it was a really tough two months before we came to Calvary and we got involved. You know, it took us a little bit to find this place. Mm-hmm. You know, we were going through the, the, the motions of church shopping, which I absolutely, I hate calling it that. And it's unfortunate, but like you said, you got to be a good fit. Yep. And uh, if you've come to discovering Calvary before, uh, it's a great, it's a, that's a great thing that they say. They say, Hey, let's see if you're you know, a good fit. Cause we want people uh, to find a church where they're gonna be a good fit. Just like we want people to find a small group where they're a good fit. Uh, and so I think just giving people an opportunity to flourish, right. Yeah. To create soil where people can grow. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want because you know what, just like going to church on Sunday isn't enough. Just going to a small group isn't enough. Yep. That's the start, right? It's, it's everything that happens after that point. It's the dinners you have with people outside of small group. It's the text messages. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the guys nights. It's the girls nights that come as a result. It's the date nights where two leaders say, or two Two parents say, hey, we're going to watch the kids. Everyone else go on a date. You know, it's, it's those things that happen as a result of building community, yeah. right? It's when you're sick and someone says, hey, uh, I got this covered. I'm going to bring over a dinner, uh, a meal. 
And I think that's really what I'm most excited about is that real community. That's what we should call it. Real community, right? (laughs) As opposed to fake community, because there's a difference, right? There's the, there's the community you think you have, but then when everything falls apart, no one's there for you. then there's the real community and that's what we want to build. Yeah, I like to call that the, the the phrase that I use is redemptive community. Oh, even because better. Because you look at that. Can we cut that out. <laughs> redemptive community. Um, and one of the reasons is because you know there's a lot there's a lot of things that go on. There's a lot of different groups you can get involved in. Moms groups, book clubs, uh, social groups, uh, running groups. There's all kinds of different groups that you can get involved in. The primary goal for that is community. The primary goal is people want to do things with other people that they enjoy, so that they don't feel lonely. The difference with small groups in my opinion, here through through churches, whether that's here at Calvary or whatever church you go to, the hope for those small groups is that you're in a part of a community and a place that's redemptive, that's pointing towards Christ. It doesn't just have, okay, we're going to fill a social need here, but we're going to challenge you. We're going to love you. We're going to grow. There's going to be some hard times. There's probably going to be some difficult conversations that we have to have, whether it's our kids, my kid bites your kid, and we got to sit down and have a conversation <laughs> about that. You know, that's a, yeah. it's a hard conversation to have. But there's, once you push through that, the, the love, the value, the relationship that's on the other side of that is so much more valuable and, um, and points us more towards Christ that we invite people in. We hope that there's a tangible difference between your book club that you go to and your small group that you're a part of. And Christ, as you said, is that one common, commonality that we all have. At the same time, it's that piece that helps us continue to, to realize that we are growing and walking with Christ now, and we're designed to do that together. That's why for us, when we talk about small groups, and why I was so glad that you were um, able to come on and excited about talking about this, is that this is a core value for us here at Calvary. We want you to come and worship with us for a week because we feel like worship and gathering together, we see the early church do that a ton. Uh, we see that that has been a place where, where believers have been able to come together and rally together to be ready to go out for the rest of the week and to hear teaching and to worship together. So we think that that's real important. We also think that serving is important. We want you to serve for an hour a week, whether that's on Sunday morning, whether that's coming some other time or serving in our community. Because again, as you said with your home, if all we're doing is serving ourselves, focusing on ourselves, transformation is is difficult. But when we put aside what we want to do and we serve others, allows us to open up to see another way of thinking, another way of being. Um, and honestly, on a Sunday morning, we need you. We need you to serve because we've got so many kids and we've got so many different areas that if you can serve for an hour, you can worship for an hour. And then also be involved in that small group. Because like you said, that's where you start tilling up that soil a little bit. That's where you start getting to that point where you're able to uh, grow um, and be able to wrestle through some of those more difficult things in life and in faith because you come to a church service on Sunday and you can worship and you can hear some good teaching, but there's no dialogue back and forth. There's no raising your hand, uh, excuse me, uh, Pastor Daniel, uh, I don't believe that that uh, is exactly correct. I disagree um, with that. Could you explain a little bit more and give me the Greek um, understanding of that verb that you just used? Um, There's none of that, but some of that dialogue can happen within a small group. And so... um, and so I'm glad that that's been an experience for you. I'm excited about your new group. And um, I know for you guys, it's going to be a little bit difficult uh, because you're, le- you're going to be lo- losing some of that community that you spent the last year building. Um, but you're also going to be creating space for more community, for new people that are coming in. And so I'm thankful for your heart 
um, and your posture in that. Um, because a lot of times, again, left up to our own devices, we want to take care of us, even if it's something good like a small group and friends that we have. Um, so I appreciate you guys being willing to, uh, to do that. As we kind of wrap things up here today, um, what is something um, that you would like our listeners as we're getting ready to leave the table to, to wrap up and to be able to take home with them? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is that Satan is really smart in that he knows how to work very simply to frustrate our lives. I mean, he understands leverage 100%. He's probably a physics instructor for all I know because he just <laughs> understands, you know, he knows how to create friction, right? He knows how to create force and he knows how to do it with little ease. And so what Satan's going to do is he's going to tell you, you don't have time for a small group. He is going to have your kids throw up on the babysitters. <laughs> or, you know, he is going to get, you know, make sure that you don't go to small group because mm. he knows once you're connected, it's, it's over. Like he's lost his leverage. And so I just want to really encourage you to make the sacrifice. And I say sacrifice because that's what it's going to feel like. And let's just be honest. It's a sacrifice to give up a night, a precious weeknight. Um, but I will tell you that the dividends that you will reap out of it, um, I mean, I, they're, I, I can't explain them. I've talked about some of the dividends that we've hmm. seen. Um, but I also want to let you know that, I mean, Satan's still going to frustrate your plans, right? He's going to give you hardships. But guess what? You don't have to walk in the desert alone. There are people who love you. There are people who love Christ. And you got you to gotta connect with them. I yeah. mean, it's it's the best thing to do. And again, it's going to be a sacrifice. But I just, um, I hope that after listening today, you can see value in that. Hmm. Uh, not just from my story, but from the story of the people that you've heard, just from our small group. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us um, around the table today. I appreciate your time and your availability to be here. And for our listeners, if you are interested and get involved in a small group, please, uh, you can do that by a couple different ways. The one thing you can do is um, you can email me at dphillips at calvarybc.net. You can also go to our info hub, which is uh, yourcalvary.info. And there, there's a small groups page and you can see the small groups that are available. And then there's also a form you can fill out that kind of lets me know when you're available, what nights you're willing to sacrifice, uh, whether you do need childcare, what side of town you live on, some of those details so that I can help plug you into a group. Um, if you're here on Sunday, you can stop by the next step space. Um, and then for those of you who are in a small group that are listening to this, uh, I would encourage you just to Pay extra attention to who you bump into on Sunday. Who does God have crossed your path? And just to check in and, and make sure that you extend an invitation to your small group um, to make sure that people are experiencing the life-changing um, transformation that can happen within community. Um, because again, as, as Adam has said several times today, uh, God did not design us to live in isolation, but to live in community. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to The Table, a podcast of Calvary Church in West Lafayette. Music was provided by Heath Bentley. For more information, check us out at calvarybc.net. Have a great day.